This is a presentation of Northeast. Good morning. You're listening to the Mac and Jack Sports Show on Northeast Streaming Sports. And welcome to the Mac and Jack Sports Show, our Friday edition. Today we'll have Byron Williams, Keith Angle, and the Philly Sports Guy. I'm your host, Mac, with your co-host, Jack Hirsch. How are you doing today, Jack? Hey, good, Mac. Uh, you, you came on pretty quickly. You, you remind me like of a sprinter who jumps the gun, you know, the opening start. You, you, you're false starting this show. <laughs> I'm false starting. I mean, I'm, I'm blowing my nose here, and it comes on. I'm not giving any warning. I mean, well, come on. Jack, get it together. I mean, we got to get a production meeting on here. Jack, you should not have the dual role of this show's host and producer together. There's a conflict here, Mac. You should pick one or the other. You think so, huh? Well, Jack, I think when you blow your nose next time, just turn around the other way. We don't need to see that. Uh, so let's get to the NBA draft, Jack. Um, Victor Wembenyana uh, on J&B Talking Shop, Jim Jeffcoat called him Wham Banana, goes first in the NBA draft to the San Antonio Spurs. Jack, what's your thoughts on uh, Wembenyana? I, I, I think... Uh, I got some, and I know Jim Jeffcoat had some, but what are your thoughts on it? Well, uh, Jim, the little sour grapes on the part of Jim Jeffcoat, because he's a Dallas, you know, he's located in the Dallas area, Dallas Cowboy sports legend, and he's a little jealous that Victor Wembanyama is going to the San Antonio Spurs, you know, another rival in the state. And this is a game changer for San Antonio. San Antonio is back. You could think of the glory days now. Tim Duncan, David Robinson, Tony Parker, and, and so on. I don't want to go down their whole roster when they won five NBA titles on the coach pop who's still there. And it's a game changer, not the first year. He's a tall, thin kid who's going to have to physically develop. He's not going to just walk in and dominate in the NBA. Far from it. Far from it. He might not even be rookie of the year, but ultimately he's going to be one of the great NBA players. Worst case scenario, he's going to be one of the best players in the NBA. A lot of people expect him to be the best uh, and be a legendary player for years to come. Well, first of all, Jim thinks his build, like you said, I don't know if he can put on any weight. I mean, I remember Robert Parrish. You can talk about Durant. They're really not big guys. They're th they were thin guys. They get hurt a lot, uh, you know, the, the ankles and the foot and, and, and the knees. And you think this is going to be a problem for, for Wemby there? Do you think that maybe uh, he's going to have injury problems like the other uh, tall, thin guys? That I mean, I every individual is different as far as being injury prone. I wouldn't be overly concerned. I mean, it hasn't been an issue with him uh, to this point, not a serious issue, that is. I think what people are intrigued about, here's a player who's seven foot four. All players who are seven foot plus are stereotyped as being, being a tall rebounder who play underneath the basket. When Banyan is different, he can play point guard if need be. He can be a shooting guard. He could be a, he could play in a small forward position even though he's a, he's a giant of a man and 
that's the one thing about these tall players. They can only play one way. I mean, Shaq couldn't play guard. Shaq couldn't play on the outside. Actually, the one tall man who could was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, but he never did. They never put him in that spot. Kareem was a great athlete in the way he could dribble and do things. Well, Bwebanyana could play any position and play it really well. He's a great ball handler, outstanding shooter, you know, excellent defender. So that's the intriguing part. He's seven foot four and can do everything. He's one stop shopping, Mac. Yeah. That's what he is. The rarity, the type of basketball player that's one stop shopping. Well, you know, he's been called, you know, a lot of players have been called, you know, generational players. I, um, Trevor Lawrence was called a, a, a is called or was called a, a you know a once in a lifetime kind of quarterback and he hasn't been to this point. I, I think I think what's happening here is the hype, Jack. I, I you know let the kid, as you said, get some get some get some years under his belt before we start you know putting him in the Hall of Fame. Um, Dave Robinson, we talked before the show. Dave Robinson, uh, would you be happy if Wembenyana was like David Robinson? I wouldn't. Uh, how about if you? How about if he was as good, maybe as uh, as a um, I'm trying to think of another person I can compare him to? Uh, good as a, a Durant. If he's good as Durant, maybe you have something there, Jack. Yeah. Well, we talked about David Robinson Robinson before the show because he was one of the top players in San Antonio Spurs history. He's a Hall of Famer. Would we settle on Wembanyama? being the next David Robinson. And you and I concluded, no, no, because we expect at least that, a worst case scenario close to that, worst case scenario, we expect them to be more along the lines of a LeBron James and a Michael Jordan as far as the quality went, you know, his overall NBA career. So no, you don't settle on a player like that. There's no reason to... His first year might be a little rough because he's a tall, thin kid. It's welcome to the NBA. He's got to get used to the fast pace. He's got to adjust. But once he adjusts, he's going to be a force. I expect it to take a good part of the season. You mentioned Trevor Lawrence. Well, they said he was going to be a generational talent. but And the jury's still out on Trevor Lawrence. In all fairness, he's trending upward now he might be a generational talent when all is said and done that hasn't been eliminated at all it's it's kind of like still a wait and see but you're right Mac Trevor Lawrence didn't come into the NFL and take it by storm the way a lot of people thought that he that he might have could or would okay but with coaching is such a vital part of it and in the case of Trevor Lawrence and I don't mean to talk about Trevor Lawrence, I'm just comparing him to Wembanyama. Trevor Lawrence did not have good coaching in his rookie year. He had Urban Meyer. That would have been about the worst coach he could have had for him uh, for whatever reason. Wembanyama is going to have the best possible coach in Coach Pop. <clears throat> coach Pop is like a father figure to all these San Antonio Spur legends. And he's going to move Wembanyama along very gently, very slowly. He's not going to push him in in quest of victories because San Antonio right now, they have arguably the worst team in the NBA. That's a major reason why they got him. And 
Coach Pop's going to move them along very slowly, build them up. And the fans in Santa, San Antonio, I believe, are going to be patient because uh, they know what they have. Another remarkable thing about him, and he did do he did uh, watch videos on um, uh, the, the the one of the greatest ball handlers in history. I can't think of his name right now. Getting a, a little brain freeze here, but the dribbling pistol Pete Mirovich. He he watched videos on him. He dribbles the ball at seven foot four, five, whatever he is, close to the close to the ground. And it's very, can you imagine seven foot four dribbling, you know, a foot off the ground? He's got great ball handling skills. He sees the court well because he's so big. Great on great on block shots. So it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting, Jack, to see what this kid can do in his first year uh for the for the uh for the You know, I, w- I was watching Mac this documentary a couple of nights ago. I'd seen it before, but I was intrigued watching it again. ESPN has the 30 by 30 documentary, and they had one on Felipe Lopez. Felipe Lopez played for Rice High School in New York, and coming out of high school, he was the number one high school player in the nation. He was rated number one, and number two was Allen Iverson, to give you an idea how highly regarded Felipe Lopez was, and people turned out for him in high school. Alex Rodriguez would go to his games. You know, other people, I mean, he was like a rock star as a high school player. Then he got to St. John's and his performances really slipped to the point where he wasn't even going to get drafted. And then in his senior year, he played well. And he eventually went number 24 overall in the draft and played a few seasons in the NBA, got injured, and never really made the move to come back to the NBA you know, after that. But you kind of wonder what Wembanyama, is he a short thing? I, I, I think he pretty much is. I think he pretty much is. No one's a short thing. I, I don't mean it that way. But I think the, I think San Antonio, this is the best number one overall draft pick you could have gotten, at least since LeBron James. And it would have been interesting if him and LeBron were coming out at the same time, and we didn't know what LeBron would do in the NBA. No idea what order they would have been taken, and who would have been taken ahead of who. And we see the way LeBron turned out. Yeah, yeah, it would have been interesting. Uh, the rest of the uh, top ten: number two, Brandon Miller, went to Charlotte. Number three, uh, Scoop Henderson went to Portland. Number four, the Rockets got Amen Thompson. I think he's from. Uh, I think he's one of the. Well, uh, I got the Thompson bro- brothers. One brothers, four five. That's what I was just gonna say. Uh, Os- Oscar Thomas uh, went from OT Elite. What is that, Jack? I've never heard of OT Elite. Yeah, that that's an outside league. But I'm gonna tell you this draft, Mac. It was broken up into a few different segments. Sections. Wembanyama had a section all to himself. Uh, let me make a comment. Commissioner Adam Silver started the proceedings. San Antonio was on the clock. Why did they take close to five minutes, the full five minutes, to make their selection before it was announced? Why did we have to wait? I mean, why did they make it a longer night? They could have cut, you know, the few minutes off. I don't want to hear about, well, they wanted ESPN and the NBA channel to show the highlights. We knew he was going to 
be taken number one. There was no suspense. Why make us wait? That's why the NFL draft used to be so ridiculously boring. It would be 10 minutes between selections and teams knew who they were taking, yet they take the full 10 minutes. Do you think we're dummies? Do we think teams are calling San Antonio and offering a deal in the last few minutes that San Antonio is going to take? Do we think the Knicks are calling and say, take our whole team for Wembanyama? You have our whole team. Take everyone. Come on. I mean, give me a break here. Just make the pick immediately. The same with uh, Portland going number two, taking Brandon Miller there. I'm not Portland, Charlotte, uh, excuse me, right. which that's section two. Charlotte took Brandon Miller number two, okay, and Portland took uh, Scoot Henderson number three. That, that, those were the obvious picks, two and three. There was a little doubt who would go ahead of who. It was fe- felt Brandon Miller was going to get picked by Charlotte, but there was a little doubt. And then there were the Thompson brothers, four, five, with all the rest. Right. It, to me, it wasn't a suspenseful NBA draft. I'll be honest, Mac. It was about the most uneventful NBA draft I've ever seen. Wow. Well, let's finish it up. Six, Anthony Black from Arkansas uh, to Indiana. Uh, Bill L. Colibali, uh, I'm saying that wrong, wrong. Uh, from Met 92, whatever that is, traded to the Wizards, and the Wizards get James Walker from Houston when they traded him to Indiana. Utah drafted, right. Utah uh, drafted Jairus Walker. Houston traded to him to Indiana. Dallas got Car- Carson uh, Wallace from Kentucky, traded him to Oklahoma City. So a lot of trading there back and forth for whatever reasons. I guess the team had the reasons to do that. The biggest news to me, to me, Jack, and I think to you too, was the three-team trade. Corazinga is now a Celtic. Marcus Smart is a Grizzly uh, with two first-round draft picks. There's a lot of a lot of clout. Three-way trade. Washington gets a couple of the picks and right, right. So uh, what do you think? I, I does this does does Corzinga help the Celtics, Jack? Well, who's helped most by this deal? And I don't like this deal for the Celtics at all. As far as Washington goes, let's talk all three teams. They were in a rebuild. Okay, let's see how it works out. They're looking to dump players and basically start all over. Uh, they don't want to be a playing team. And the reality is Washington had peaked out. Uh, in the way they're rebuilding, I'm a little skeptical they're going to have a long road back before their playoff contender the Celtics trade Marcus Smart who's been there nine years his whole career who loved being a Boston Celtic the fans in Boston love Marcus Smart you trade him away I mean if they were going to trade anyone it should have been Jalen Brown I mean they should have gotten Porzingis you know at the expense of Jalen Brown I thought they were going to just add Porzingis to the core of three. Marcus Smart is one of the best defensive players in the NBA. He goes to Memphis. He essentially replaces Dylan Brooks. He's a better version of Dylan Brooks, a better player than Dylan Brooks. He's going to improve the Memphis Grizzlies. If Jay Moran can come back after the 25-game suspension, have his head together, play hard, play well, 
The Grizzlies are going to be a force in the West. They really are. As far as Porzingis goes, it's the chemistry. Him, Brown, and Tatum together. I don't know about it. I just don't know about it. Porzingis had a really good year last year. His best year since he left the Knicks uh, for Washington. Averaged 23 points a game. Showed up, played well, played hard. But I don't think this is a game changer for the Celtics. Losing Marcus Smart for Porzingis might not look bad on paper chemistry-wise, I don't think this helps the Celtics. I think, if anything, it's a tiny step backwards. Okay. Well, I mean... I, much for loyalty, Matt. A nine-year Celtic who wants to finish his career as a Celtic, loves the city, they trade him. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I think um, Marcus Smart to the Grizzlies is probably the best. Uh, the Grizzlies got the best of everything. Mar Marcus Smart... He's been in the playoffs. He's a he's an adult. He's not a kid. Uh, I think he's going to be big in the locker room. I think a lot of the the players there are going to respect him. You know what he's done with the Celtics. So I think the Grizzlies are the, made out the best. I don't think the Celtics are a bad off as you think, Jack. I think Corzinga gives them a presence in the middle, blocking shots. Uh, he's a great three point shooter. So uh, you know, uh, I think I think I think I don't think it's bad as you say. I think maybe it's an even swap. I don't think it does one thing for the Celtics either way. I think chemistry-wise, I mean, like I said, Marcus Smart for Dylan Brooks, basically, what Memphis yeah. is doing. Yeah. And I think they come off uh, they come off better. I do, too. I think well, And now Porzingis instead of Marcus Smart, does that help the Celtics chemistry-wise on the court? That's what I mean. If you want to just say, well, who's better, Porzingis or Marcus Smart, even though they're different type of players, you know, we could argue that point. I, I can understand the point where Porzingis could be a force. But you have Jalen. Jalen Brown's performances were slipping the past year. Now the Celtics have a dilemma to give him the big contract or not. I mean, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it in the case of Jalen Brown. This is The Celtics are basically Jason Tatum's team at this point, yeah. or should be. Going into last year, it was... Both Brown and Tatum, they were co-stars of the Celtics. This year, it's got to be Tatum. He's got to be the man as far as the Celtics are concerned. Uh, Wizards trade Chris Paul to Golden State for Jordan Poole. How does that really help the uh, um, the uh, Golden State Warriors uh, when Jordan Poole really is, I think, is a better player than, than Chris Paul? Yeah, Mac, I think we lost power. Do you see my picture on the screen? Yeah. Oh, okay, because I lost power with my picture over here. Okay, yeah. I can't see you, but okay, but you could see me. That's all that really counts. Uh, some To me, I'll make believe I'm doing a radio show with you now. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but that's that's good. Okay, Mac, uh, the thing is, Chris Paul is going to be a rotation player with Golden State. Now, Jordan Poole, there were high hopes for him, and it was – not a disappointing regular season. People point to the altercation with Draymond Green in the preseason. They point right. to that and they said that's the reason the chemistry wasn't good, this and that. And they might be right. Even Draymond Green questioned the Warriors. Was the team hurt by his actions? I mean, to his credit, he brought that up. But Jordan Poole, after having a good regular season, was dreadful in the playoffs. Dreadful right. in the playoffs. 
and reportedly their attitude problems as well, you know, as far as Jordan Poole goes. So uh, which Jordan Poole is Washington going to be getting? You know, Washington has no hopes of going anywhere in reality. They really don't with the roster they have. So Jordan Poole should step in as their star, their number one player. And is he going to be stat crazy? Or is he going to try to be some type of a leader with the players they have around them? But this is the time for Jordan Poole basically just to put up numbers. And it's not a good situation for Jordan Poole as far as winning or losing, obviously. But unlike being with the Golden State Warrior team where he just had to blend in to a team full of stars led by Steph Curry, now he's he's going to be the main guy in Washington. Because even Washington, Kyle Kuzma is declared for free agency, so he wants out. And it's a complete rebuild there. So it's right. going to be interesting what Jordan Poole's attitude is going to be in Washington. Okay, all right. And, and, uh, and Max, Chris Paul should help the Golden State Warriors with his experienced rotation player. They don't need him for the firepower, for the scoring. They need him for the stability he could provide on the court. And he's such a respected veteran. He'll fit in fine at Golden State. Okay. All right, Jack. MLB scores. We have uh, Minnesota beating Boston 6-0. Seattle trounces uh, the New York Yankees 10-2. Atlanta beats Philly 5-1. That was uh, the locals that played last night. Uh, Today you have the Mets at Philly, Texas at the New York Yankees at Boston, at the White Sox. Um, we talked about Josh Donaldson a little bit. Um, you know, thanks, babe. Um, he, him and Volpe had an error during the inning where Volpe kind of bobbled the ball, went to throw it to Donaldson, and Donaldson wasn't ready for it, Jack. So Donaldson's affected. Normie has a great glove. Normie, I don't know if he wasn't paying attention. I don't know what was going on there. But it just looked, it looked Bush League, Jack. And I think that's why so many Yankee fans are really upset. They're at the games. They're booing everybody. They're booing Donaldson especially. Um, so, as you said, maybe Donaldson has gone. Maybe he's gone before the year's out, Jack. Well, Don, Donaldson, this is his last year on his contract with the Yankees, Mac. Donaldson's gone at the end of the year. I can, can't imagine any possible scenario where the Yankees are going to keep him beyond this year. I don't even think Donaldson's going to last this year out. I'm going to be frank. I'm going to be honest about it. I mean, it wears on you all the booing on the organization I'm talking about to hear the Yankee fans have such discontent. But Donaldson's doing the rest of the team a favor indirectly because the rest of the team isn't hitting and the fans are focusing on Donaldson because they see his batting average. What's it the last time I looked? 128 or so. DJ LeMayo hasn't been hitting. Stanton is down to 190. It's it's ridiculous. Gleyber Torres has been mediocre. Volpe, fans are being somewhat patient with him because he's a young player, but they wonder whether he should be sent down, even though these last few games He's been hitting, you know, the ball a little better. And the whole team is shut down, it seems, since the judge injury. I mean, Rizzo's been disappointing as well. Very true, Jack. I I, I mean, they did take two out of three from Seattle. 
Uh, that's the first time they won a series without Judge. Um, Herman just, I don't know what's up with Herman. Herman doesn't look good at all. I don't know if he's thinking about something, something bother him. I don't know, but he sure didn't look, uh, look too good last night. Uh, Cole and, and, uh, and, uh, the young kid, the, the pitcher, Jack, the young kid that came up. I'm trying to remember his name right now. You're not talking about Nesta Costa. No, not no. Nesta Costa. The young kid that keeps Brito. going. Brito. Brito uh, pitched well on the second game, too. So uh, two good outings for them guys. But, but, Mac, there's one thing we have to notice comparing the Yankees to the cross-time rival, the Mets. The Mets are in serious trouble in not making the playoffs. Yeah. They've been terrible, and they're so far, far behind in the division race. And they're not likely to catch Atlanta to win the division. They're going to have to get in as a wild card. And there's several teams who are ahead of the Mets, who are strong teams, and even the teams that are playing like the Mets, something like the San Diego Padres, I mean, they're going to move forward. They're going to be fine moving forward. At least the Yankees, if the season ended today, they would be in the playoffs, actually. So as bad as things have been, as bad as they've been, the Yankees are on a good spot as far as at least making the playoffs are concerned. Agreed. Major League Baseball news, the Commissioner Manfred uh, regrets giving Astros full immunity and sign-stealing scandal under condition they told the truth. Does anybody even care about this story anymore, about, about Houston Astros uh, stealing signs, Jack? Revisionist thinking, Mac. Revisionist thinking. Uh, you know, Rob Manfred's entitled to say, well, maybe I made a mistake. I wish I'd done things differently. Right. Okay. I mean, some people say it if there's something that they can gain by it later on. Uh, for example, Pat Riley, he put LeBron James down when he left the Heat, this and that, to go back to Cleveland. And then years later, Pat Riley said, oh, LeBron made the right decision after all. It, it time proved he did. Riley was saying it because LeBron was going to be a free agent again, and he wanted LeBron to come back to Miami. So right. Pat Riley, you know, he, he had his ulterior motives to say what he said, okay? But in the case of Rob Manfred, there can't be any ulterior motives. He just basically blew it. Yeah. He blew it. The team cheated and they got away with it. He gave he gave the cheaters immunity. Yep. He gave them all immunity. There were no penalties. I mean, what did he do? AJ Hinch was suspended for a year. Uh, Alex Cora was suspended for one year, and then both of them were allowed to manage again. Carlos Beltran was hurt the most by it. The players weren't okay. Yeah. And they got away with it. You know what he could do? If Rob Manfred is really that sincere and it really bothers him enough, put an asterisk next to Houston's title win, okay? Put an asterisk next to it and let that be in the record books. When people look at the list of World Series winners, they'll always see that asterisk and future generations are going to ask, what's that about? And then it could come up, well, they cheated. Then at least Major League Baseball took some type of action. They could say, yeah, the Astros are the World Series champions, but it's tainted. Yeah. But he could do that. Rob Manfred could still do that. So either 
do that, oh, shut up, Rob. Don't tell us, you know, start venting what you think you could have done. No one's doubting your sincerity, but you could still do something about it if you really wanted to. One of the reporters there asked him if he ever thought about vacating the World Series to the Astros. Well, not now. Not at this point, Mac. I don't think you vacate the World I, Series and say the Astros aren't World Series champions, but you can't put an asterisk yeah. next to it. You know what it is? What the Astros did crossed the line, but I think in baseball we neglect. Teams cheat all, all along. They tried to cheat. That's why teams have signs, Mac, because the te other teams are trying to find out what they're doing. They're trying to gain every edge, but sometimes there's certain lines you don't cross. And I think the Astros got a little carried away. Even the players, I don't think they fully comprehended their actions at the time, but it went, you know, a little too far. And yeah. there's, you know, there's certain codes and certain things you don't do. And the Astros crossed that line. And players are still resentful. One of the players. Well, pitchers who striked out Carlos Correa not that long ago, I can't recall his name, to end the game, he said he was especially satisfied to strike out that cheetah, Carlos Correa. You want to know something? Carlos Correa has a big mouth, big, big mouth. So when they stick it to him that way, I have little sympathy for Carlos Correa. Yeah. Um, the Texas manager is upset with the MLB replay about the catcher blocking the plate. And this isn't the only person that's upset with it. Um, the What happened, Jack, is that the outfielder throws the ball home. And, of course, the catcher's not supposed to block the plate to avoid the collision. But the ball is thrown home. The catcher catches the ball where it's thrown. The runner's coming at him. He has no other choice but to catch the ball and tag him. So this rule should have some kind of exception to it, Jack. It's not like he's catching the ball, running in front of the plate and blocking it. The ball is right there. It's bam, bam. And, and the guy uh, on the replays are calling him safe now. Well, the catcher has a right to go for the ball and catch the ball. You can't deliberately block the plate. You can't have those runner-catcher collisions. They're very dangerous. You know, it's part of the game for so long, and that's unfortunate. Remember Pete Rose just running into Ray Fossey. I mean, if Pete right. Rose did that in this day and age, I mean, he would be suspended, flat out suspended. Yeah. I mean, it would be considered a, a flagrantly dirty play. But at the time Pete Rose did it, he was praised as being, you know, Charlie Hustle, being a competitor and all that. And what if a catcher go, but if the catcher gets the ball with plenty of time to spare, he can't be blocking the plate. The runner has to have a, at least a path to the plate to avoid the catcher. Because if he doesn't, right. what's the runner supposed to do? Right. I, I listen, I, I don't disagree with that. I just think there should be an exception that if this ball is thrown and he's just catching the ball where it's thrown, uh he can't help but block the plate. That's not, that shouldn't be. You can't uh, help. Yeah, some situations you can't. You can't help but block right. the plate, unfortunately. Right. But with that said, you know, if it's a bang bang play, nothing can be done about it, you know, as far as the catch right. goes. But if he gets the ball with a little time to spare, I'm not saying to move out of the way, 
but you can't block the whole plate. You can, you have to give the runner a pass, but but at the same time be in position to tag him with the pass you're giving him. Agreed. Uh, Reds closer Alex Diaz right now is the most dominating closer in, in the Major League Baseball. In 32 appearances, he's only allowed 15 hits. Jack, um, he's got a 203 ERA. Um, I mean, he's no Mario Rivera, Jack. He doesn't have a 096 ERA, but uh, he's he's probably the most dominant closer in baseball today. Now look at this. This and he's a big reason the Cincinnati Reds have been on a tear. Yeah, they've been one of the surprises. They started the year a little slow, and they seem to be putting it together. Matt, do you think the Reds are for real, or they just had like a good patch? Well, I picked them to win the division this year, Jack. I don't know if they're going or not, but I did pick them to win the division just off their pitch, and uh, I didn't know what's going to come from the bullpen, but I'll take it. I mean, that's. That's that's great news for the Reds. They've been so close uh, to, to winning that division in the last few years. So, uh, uh, maybe this year they do it. Blake Snell strikes yeah, out 11 in San Diego. There we are. I'm back. And Jack's kind of messing around. Maybe Jack can see me now. Can, yeah, can you see yeah, me now, Jack? I'm having I'm, no, no, I, you know, sometimes I plug my thing and I'm having there's some sort of power outage or something. Something's in the area going off. I can hear you, Mac, but I can't see you. If I plug this okay. in and then unplug it, I can see you for a couple of seconds, Mac. Otherwise, it's like I'm doing radio okay. on this show. Okay, I checked, I checked the producer check to make sure that we were both being seen and we are. On, on Facebook, so we're both being seen by the by the audience anyway. So as I said, Blake Snell had a great game. Uh, we might have that <laughs> off to the radio, Mac. I mean, I don't know. I check once in a while, like now, to just see myself. But now I'm going to go dark in a few seconds. I see myself now. Now I'm dark again. But no one okay. wants to hear this. They want to hear sports, Mac. They don't want to hear you and I venting about all the technical difficulty we're having. In NFL news. Uh, Miami wide receiver Tyreek Hill under investigation allegations of assault and battery from hitting a person who worked at the marina down Miami. Uh, he hit him in the back of the uh, head from an argument for, about fishing from the dock. So I guess in that county you can't fish. I think he was fishing for Marlin. I don't know how you do that from the dock. But that does not, yeah, I'm sorry, Matt. Go ahead. But anyway, no. he's uh, he's a uh, He's uh, under investigation, Jack. So, a real grown-up thing from Tyreek Hill. Matt, well, I would let, there's got to be more to situations like this. I don't want to pass judgment as so quickly, even though you feel people should avoid situations like that. When it gets heated, you got to walk away. If I'm in charge of something like the marina, and I tell someone they can't fit, and I tell Tyreek Hill. He can't fish the bass. Tyreek Hill just going to hit me in the back of the head. This is response. an argument. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's got to stuff has got to go down a little bit. Who knows what's go, going down? And you want to look at the person's whole record, you know, of actions. You know, it'd be interesting if you had a league and you had a commissioner 
who did, they didn't do anything about behavior like this. They figure, look, this is up to law enforcement. As long as the guy's not in jail, he's free to work. He can play the games. He could be on the team. And they don't manage anything. I mean, I'm not saying that's the way to go at all. But, uh, you know, I like the idea that the team is managing conduct because you have a fan base and it's hard to root for guys that are knuckleheads. Let's be honest about it. Or women athletes where you feel are totally out of line with some of their actions as well. Yeah. So you want the league to kind of have a semblance of control, you know, as far as what's going on. But sometimes there's more to the situation than meets the eye. I mean, whenever we hear there's an, you know, an athlete is accused of something, we're going to want to condemn him. Look at the Buffalo Bill punter who was drafted by the Buffalo Bills in the sixth round, Matt Ariza. He was clear that those charges are rape. No charges are being pressed against him. And yet no NFL team is even going to give him a tryout. I mean, because he was so stained by the false accusations. And it's really a, uh, you know, bad situation in something like that. All yeah, I, someone I, has to do is be accused of something and they're staying forever. And, that, and that's wrong. Yeah, I think your team gave him a tryout, Jack. A couple, well, it was on Real Sports. A couple of teams inquired, why didn't the Bills take him back? I don't or know. Why, or, or, you know, the idea, if he's a, if someone's accused of something, I mean, let them keep playing until, you know, it runs its course, unless it's so obvious that they're guilty. They could plead not guilty, but if it's so obvious they were involved in something, and the word is obvious, then I could understand being after from them. Or the Buffalo Bills didn't have to cut Mataresa. They could have said, you're on the inactive list. You're inactive yeah, sure. for now. When your situation gets resolved, you know, you could, you'll could you come back to camp. And when it got resolved, they should have taken them back unless they were happy with their punt on the interim. But it, it's, it's totally unfair. Totally unfair. I mean, I'm remember sorry. the craze we had with the Duke lacrosse team? Oh, Everyone yeah. was con condemning them as being guilty, this and that. They were ready to hang them, and they yeah. were innocent. Yeah, I remember, Jack. I remember. For those expecting Byron Williams, he just messaged me. He's on the side of the road with a flat tire, and guess what? He's here. Byron Williams is a true, true warrior. How you doing? Discount it? Darn it, Byron. I, I, you're I got a better man than me. I would, I would not be hanging out there. Uh, with, if I have a flat tire, I would be attending to my flat fire, and I wouldn't be doing the Mac and Jack show on the side of the road. Yeah, He's not. He's at this I got Jim Jeffco is here too. We uh, we get ready to do that uh, golf tournament in my hometown, right. and we are uh, doing the football camp tomorrow. But I just wanted to pop in and show my show, show you my face and let you know I'm, I'm at ty discount tire right here. Okay, and, uh, Byron. That's so how you got a flat tire in the first place, Byron, by always picking up these discount tires. Man, they're <laughs> selling you these used tires, and you're because you're getting a great deal. You're paying next to nothing for them. You, I mean, you got to ride on those, Byron. Come on, I'm man. Looking, I'm, hey, 
I'm looking for a sponsor, so I maybe discount tie to make us some commercials. Oh, no, discount tie is good. No, what discount tires are good. I don't mean discount tires. I'm not putting down discount tires. The place. I'm not doing that at all. I'm just saying, you know, uh, you got to get tires to match your car. <laughs> okay, okay Hey, but uh, I got AAA. <clears throat> there you go. That's they, good. they didn't even come up. They didn't even show up this morning. They didn't. No. I'm going to have to talk to AAA. We got to find some people that are going to sponsor us and sponsor the show. So I'm going to start working on sponsorship. Wait, wait, wait. Are you in Dallas now? No, I'm in my hometown of Texas. I can. I'm on the board of Texas and Arkansas. Let, oh, man. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought if you told you in Dallas, you told me we were Jeff Coat, they would run down quickly. Yeah, Jeff, Jeff Coat is at the hotel. He's still sleeping in. Now, he, he's out walking around sweating and getting all... He getting working up before the the golf tournament started in an hour, and uh, we gonna see who can play golf today for sure. Right, I give right. Jim credit; he has a good golf game. I gotta give him his due on that. All right, I, I don't. We gonna see today if he can play in East Texas over here in this in this hot sun. So we'll see. All right, Byron. I'm gonna let but you go. But I just want to say good morning to you guys, and uh, y'all have a great day, have a great weekend. I'll see y'all next time. Good morning, Byron. Take care, my friend. All right. Okay. There you go, folks. Byron Williams uh, at Discount Tire, and Jack saying Discount Tire is no good. I, I don't know. No, 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 no. I, I'm mentioning cheap tires are no good. I don't right. know about Discount Tire. I'm not putting them down. Okay, I'm not putting them down. I just, I don't know the quality of their tires one way or the other. Okay. So back to some NFL news. Uh, Deion Sanders will never coach in the NFL, he says. Too old school. His style wouldn't mix with today's NFL players, grown-up men getting checks, not doing their jobs. What well, I, I'm not sure about that, Mac. Mac, I'm either. sure if he got an offer to coach an NFL team, he would seriously consider taking it. I would. Uh, they they talk a lot, you know, because no one's offering Dion a job now. It's his attitude, ah, oh, who cares? You know, it's. Uh, Mac, he, he would take it. He would take it if the team suddenly so. The biggest question I have is why are you putting down the players that you might end up coaching eventually? I mean, He's talking about old school values, the way he showboated, Mac. I mean, right. Come on. And look in the Super Bowl, for example. They played him on the offense, a play, and they threw deep to him just to satisfy his ego. I know. Old school players wouldn't have been, you know, with that. They wouldn't have rebelled the way he did when he was a player. Come on. I, I agree 100%. Kidding. They wouldn't give themselves nicknames like prime time, try to, you know, put their image ahead of the image of the team. And, Agreed. you know, he was a great player, the best lockdown corner I've ever seen. But it's, come on, don't talk to me about old school values. He reminds me of Russell Westbrook who feels he's always picked on. Russell Westbrook was going after another player for disrespecting old-time values by taking a shot as the buzzer went off to end the game, right. even though the game was no longer in doubt. Okay? And he said old-school players would never do anything like that or something to the effect. But old-school players did that all the time. Of course they did. Three, two, one, they heaved up a shot just for the heck of it, and no one cared. But in this day and age of sensitivity, guys like Russell Westbrook care 
but they use the excuse of old time values. It's new time values, Mac. Not yeah. old time values. They don't respect the old time values. I agree. I agree 100. percent Aaron Rodgers is pushing for the accept acceptance of psychedelics. I guess in the NFL, Jack. I mean, <laughs> that's I, don't your, know. I don't know. Psychedelics. Come on, come on, come on. <laughs> uh, the guy's crazy. Psychedelics. New York Giants and Sports Illustrated. Albert Bree says Bart Barkley should take the deal offered by the Giants by the deadline, Jack. That's a three-year contract for about $14 million a year. Well, how much is guaranteed? That That's the key yeah. point about it. How much of the money is guaranteed? Now, running backs are really underpaid. I can't tell Saquon Barkley what to do. If he came to me to advise him, it's wow. <clears throat> Let's say they're offering 28 million guaranteed out of 42 million. I, you know, you got to think of your future and to say, if I get hurt, is this guaranteed money going to last me the rest of my life where I can be comfortable, where I can live comfortably? And you would think the answer would be, yeah, absolutely, yes. How many people make close to 30 million over a couple of years if that's the amount that's guaranteed? And you can, and, you know, and you have quite a bit after taxes. You can invest, you know, a good part of it. And you could just flat out be comfortable after that. Or you can take the risk of having a great year. They can franchise tag Barkley again next year. Yep, sure That's does. the problem. And, they, you know, this year it's $10.1 million. Next year it's 12 point something. So you're talking about a little yep. over $22 million for two years. And you're taking a risk. You might not get next year's money if you get hurt this year. Very true. You know, all players, especially football, their careers one play away from ending. Okay, and it, it, it's risky. But from the giant point of view, Mac, we're looking at it from Barkley's point of view. What he should do with security? You really want to go into this season with Saquon Barkley on the $10 million franchise tag that they didn't work out a deal, he's not going to be happy. And it's going to be a distraction all year long. Even though Barkley might put out on the field, he's your captain. How enthusiastic can Barkley be about the team if he's playing under this franchise tag? Yeah, his own performance, he'll put out the effort. But he's not going to be one of these guys who's going to try to rally the whole team. He's just going to treat it as business, strictly as business and nothing more. And you get the feeling the vibes around the giant organization aren't going to be as good as they would be if he were under like a deal that would be satisfactory to at least both sides. I don't think I don't think. Barkley can change his personality, Jack. He approaches the game one way, and that's excited. He's excitable. He likes to have fun. I don't think he changes, even if he plays under the free agency tag. He, he just loves to play football, and you see that every time he gets on the field. So I don't think his personality changes. I just think if you're gonna, if you're got a chance to get three years at fourteen million dollars a, a year. Uh, even even with uh, half being guaranteed, you're foolish not to take it. So we'll see what happens. Um, so yeah, Mac, Mac, I mean, the franchise tag, he has his money guaranteed this year. 
under yeah. the franchise tag, a little over 10 million. He's made some money before. He's got to sit down and look at his finances. What's the worst case scenario? If I get injured and never play again, do I have enough money to last me the rest of my life? And you would think that he would have with the franchise tag to see the money he's made somewhere close to 10 million after taxes. And you invested and you're in good shape. Yeah. Is he willing to gamble? Not gamble. I mean, you see, certain players want security, you know, and certain don't. You know, you think of Jeff McNeil, the Met player. He was two years away from free agency. He took less money than what he would have gotten had he played it out, you know, the next couple of years. Uh, you know, he got $50 million actually for four years, at least for four years. And the Mets had an option of fifth year that would have brought it up to close to $64 million. And he said he wanted security. That was yeah. his thing. He could have tried to become a free agent. But he said, you're one play away from your career ending. Yeah. And he didn't want to take that risk. And But but also from the Giants' point of view, if they're willing to offer Barkley the $42 million, why not just guarantee most of it? I mean, uh, running a running back like him is underpaid at $14 million a year anyway, as are all running backs now. Just guarantee him the money and say, look, this is the amount you're getting. It's guaranteed, or at least most of it, guaranteed $35 million of the money or something like that, uh, $38 yeah. million, but who knows? I think also this will get done. They have till July 17th. I think the Giants feel we could stretch this out and eventually we'll give him a deal that'll make him happy and all's going to be forgotten before the regular season begins. So the, so the Giants are being coy, hoping maybe Barkley accepts their offer. And if he doesn't, they, I think they're going to be willing to make a move, you know, before the July 17th date. I agree. Uh, Ex-Giant Cladorius Tony gives the middle finger to New York with a Super Bowl ring on it. Uh, the time Tony spent with the Giants, mostly injured, and he had a rift <laughs> with management. Is that really grown up, Jack? I mean, grow up. You know, I mean, you're with the Kansas City Chiefs. Be happy. Why you, Why you got to give the middle finger to New York? <laughs> okay. Yeah, let me tell you, you, you see that in different ways, too. You see these athletes. And I, I think they should get suspended for this. And people are going to say, well, I'm being too harsh. A visiting player, they hold their finger up to their lips to let the rest of the crowd, crowd know when they're on the road to be quiet. Like, shh, be quiet like this. I think that's cause for maybe not a suspension, but a fine. None of that nonsense should go on. Okay? And... Kadarius Tony, one of the reasons the Giants moved on from him was because of a lack of maturity. And that and that's a reason why Kadarius Tony wasn't a major factor in the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl beyond that great kick return yeah. that he had in the Super Bowl. But with that said, I think he was a great pickup for the Chiefs for third round draft choice with the Giants and he's going to thrive with Patrick Mahomes there. So, and I think the Giants maybe they gave up on Kadarius Tony too soon. Maybe you'll work along with them. If it's maturity issues, 
It's a question of just having patience. If he was rebelling, was a bad guy in the locker room, that's another matter. But the indications where he just lacked a certain maturity. So sometimes you have to work with guys. Listen, the greatest giant of all, LT, lacked maturity a lot of the time. He was a difficult guy, you know, but the but he's such a great player. The Giants had patience with him. You're not going to tell me LT's maturity level was on the level of Harry Carson or Leonard Marshall and the others. LT had his issues, but the Giants were patient with him because of his talent. <laughs> I'm not saying various Tonys on that level, but he certainly is, you know, has had the potential to be their best receiver. And he was their number one draft pick. Maybe their new coach, Brian DeBall, should have shown a bit more patience. Yeah, I think that was not made by DeBall. I think that was made by upstairs. I think the GM made that call, Jack. Well, Joe Shine, the GM, and Brian DeBall are very close. They came from Buffalo together. So I can't believe the coach didn't have tremendous input in that decision. Okay. Um, let's see. Paris Campbell is willing to play some running back for the Giants. When he was with the Colts, he posted the fastest time in the NFL at 22 miles, 0.1 mile per hour, Jack. So he's willing to go and place her running back for the Giants if needed, as well as be a wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. The stuff with the combines, I mean, it doesn't do that much for me, Mac. What I mean, the guy's running. What? I'm talking about when he played with the Colts. Yeah, afraid. yeah, no, no, no. I, I didn't mean the combine. I mean stuff like the combines. I meant to say, I don't want to hear how fast someone's running and how they show such agility and this and that. You know, that was the big talk around Anthony Richardson uh, being drafted number four overall by the Colts. He hasn't proven himself as a quarterback, and I hear he's struggling somewhat. You know, in the workouts with the Colts. But then everyone says the same thing. But, oh, what athletic ability. He could outrun all his mistakes. And you want to know something? They're not wrong. If you're a great athlete and, you know, and it's a running league for quarterbacks now, you cannot run mistakes like in any other position in a sense. But they always point to a player's athleticism uh, who's very quick when he's struggling, okay? They, they Everyone always tries to put a positive spin on everything. Why can't they just say a player's been performing awfully in training camp? He's been terrible. He better get his act together. Everyone is wonderful in training camp. We hear Zach Wilson is lighting it up for the Jets. Oh, he's threading the needle in training camp, you know, when he has his opportunity. Come on. I mean, I don't want to hear your favorite quarterback, Lance, Trey Lance with the Niners. We hear how nicely he's coming along. What, what what nice throws he's making during practice. I don't, I I want to hear about guys who are doing terrible, Mac. Did you hear Purdy's being awful? That's Purdy's what I want to hear. They about. say Purdy's going to be ready for the regular season, Jack. So he's going to be the number one quarterback according to the coach. Well, he has some support. Uh, within the team, big-time support like George Kittle. They feel he's earned the number one position to be quarterback. I don't, but there's a certain pressure that the Niners' uh, brass is going to have on them, and it comes down to this, Mac, the pressure that they're going to have. 
Brock Purdy led the Niners on a big-time run last year. They won like seven in a row, okay? And he was a game manager, okay? I, I won't say it was because of him, but he was a good captain of the ship. And they had success with them. And, the, and in the playoff game, they lost. Purdy was injured flat out. I mean, they ne he never had a chance to show what he could do, you know, in the playoff loss to the Eagles in the uh, NFC Championship game. So to take the job away from him, who are you going to give it to? If you give it to Sam Donald, who I think should be the starter personally, that would be demoralizing for the team. They figure, why are they starting Donald, who's basically a stranger who just came over to the Niners, ahead of Brock Purdy, who's been our guy? And then there's Trey Lance. He's the guy the Niner front office wants to win the job because he's the guy they made the, the trade for, giving up the couple of number one draft choices. But Trey Lance was out last year, so it's kind of a way to give it to Purdy nearly by default. Well, that's what I think is going to happen. But now, who's the number two quarterback? If it's Sam Donald, Brock Purdy's far away from starting. If he's, you know, third on the depth chart, it's a very intriguing situation with the Niners because they they might make a bold move and they might just start Trey Lance for all we know. I mean, who who knows what's really going to go down? But we all also know, Mac, you understand team sports. If the players want one guy to start, it does put a lot of pressure on the coaching staff to play that guy. Yeah, yeah. I still think Purdy starts, Jack. We'll be right back after these promotions. Uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back. He was a giant. And he was a cowboy. Now these two former rivals have joined forces to bring you the most insightful, perceptive, and controversial sports talk podcast in America. Former Dallas Cowboys defensive end Jim Jeffcoat locks horns with former New York Giants wide receiver Byron Williams. And now, here's Byron Williams and Jim Jeffcoat. If you like the sweet science, get ready to talk boxing on the Gloved Fist podcast with top boxing writers Frank Letirzo and Jack Hirsch. Frank, a former amateur boxer out of Philadelphia, writes for NY Fights and can be seen on the Boxing Channel. Jack, an amateur boxer who competed in the New York Golden Gloves, was a six-term president of the Boxing Writers Association. And now, here's Frank Letirzo and Jack Hirsch. It just might be the greatest sports franchise in the history of sports. A place where legends are made and there's always something to talk about. Get ready to immerse yourself in pinstripes. Start spreading the news, hosted by Paul Semendinger and E.J. Fagan. A couple of doctors with a prescription for Yankee fever. And now, here's Dr. Paul Semendinger and Dr. E.J. Fagan. Get ready to start spreading the news. right now without LeBron, Lakers are, are struggling. Let me tell you about a team I hate, all right? I know the Dallas Cowboy fan is here, so I had to make sure he knew how much I hate this Oh, team. I'm ready. I've often said that the people who run baseball, they try very hard to ruin it. I'm not Brooklyn. I don't have a problem saying it to his face. Oh, Brooklyn. Hey, is it
This is a presentation of Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the Mac and Jack Sports Show. I'm your host, Mac, with your co-host, Jack Hirsch. Jack, we're going to start getting into a little bit of Keith Angle territory here until he gets in, and we'll start talking about uh, the Knicks here. As I said before, the show uh, and, and during the baseball news, listen, Garrett Cole is pitching. I don't know if he's going to be a Cy Young pitcher or not, but he's sure in the, in the uh, conversation. There was that pitch that he threw over the batter's head, way over his head. It's not like he was throwing at him. Uh, wagging his f- finger over at the dugout of Seattle, uh, back at the manager. <laughs> Kind of fun kind of thing to do, but uh, he pitched a heck of a game the first game, Jack. Well, the pitch, a couple of uh, early in the count, when he was annoyed with the batter, what no one talks about, Garrett Cole threw one way over the batter's head, over the umpire's head, I should say. He wasn't throwing at the batter. He threw a a crazy high pitch in the back of the screen. Now, people talk about the finger-wagging. But they don't talk about what Garrett Cole did beforehand. He was clearly annoyed, yeah. really ticked off. You know, I mean, but players get over things like that. A case in point would be Garrett Cole when he pitched against Josh Donaldson when Donaldson was with uh, the Twins. Donaldson accused Garrett Cole of doing something with the baseball. Garrett Cole didn't really like it. And when he struck out Donaldson, he glared at them. And people thought there was a, a little feud going. Then the Yankees trade for Donaldson. And Brian Cashman check, check with Garrett Cole. Would it bother you if we got Josh Donaldson? Would you care? And Garrett Cole said, go get him. And it turned out they were friends. They wound up being friends. Okay. Yeah. And Josh Donaldson would then say, Garrett Cole's my boy. How much he liked him. So all was good there. So I think Garrett Cole is good at letting things go. He was really annoyed with how the batter was manipulating the 10-second pitch count. Exactly, yeah. It was kind of like a tug-of-war there. And uh, But, you know, Garrett Cole, when he signed with the Yankees, it was a nine-year, $36 million a year contract, okay? And you figure, wow, that's too long for pitcher. But he was 27. It would take him through the age of 36 which was reasonable, and this is his fourth year in that contract, and the Yankees have been getting value for it. He always takes the mound. He, yeah. No, he stayed healthy. And Garrett Coley reminds you of kind of Whitey Ford. You know, he's like another Whitey Ford for the Yankees in a sense. Yeah, I listen, I think, I think he's been doing a great job for the Yankees, especially when he's not giving up home runs. Clark Schmidt is gaining confidence in his new cutter. Uh, everyone knows Clark Sh- Schmidt has been kind of up and down uh, in his pitching. He has come through a couple times for the Yankees lately. Uh, so, I mean, he's, I don't know if he's learned, he learned a cutter from um, Cortez or not, but he's got a new pitch that he says he's, uh, he's feeling a little bit better about. So, hopefully, you know, Clark Schmidt continues to get better. Well, I don't know. Does- Clark Schmidt have a future in the Yankee rotation this year, at least if everyone's coming back. I mean, but if he pitches well, they got to fit him in one way or the other. They absolutely have to, because keep in mind, I mean, 
there's Cole Cortez, Severino, Rondon, obviously, with the big contract, has to figure prominently. And then there's Frankie Montes. So fitting in Clark Schmidt, but as they say, Mac, you can never have too much pitching. Yeah, very true. In fact, there's a uh, there's a pitcher down in the minors right now, Drew Thorpe, throwing shutout innings. So there's a there's a pitcher down there that they're they're excited about. Randon is on a rehab assignment, Jack. So he's starting to get it back together again. He's pitching in the minor leagues now. So uh, hopefully he comes back pretty soon. And the Yankees activate Harrison Bader. Let me ask. We're gonna have Keith Angle on soon on this show. Have we, of all our hosts on this show, is there anyone more negative than Keith Angle? <laughs> anyone I, more negative, Mac? Come on. He'll the call guy it, is so negative all the time. You gotta, you gotta remind him about Sanchez, Gary Sanchez hitting a three-run homer last night for the San Diego Padres. You gotta remind them how great Aaron Hicks has been playing for the Baltimore Orioles. After I was saying, don't cut him, right. just stick with him, he'll be okay. But between Keith Angle and Doc, you know, they 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 drove Aaron Hicks out of town, those two guys. Doc, Doc yeah. says the Yankees should just eat the money. Yeah. I mean, Doc, Doc spends money the way Yogi Berra did. Come on. And he wants oh, other people to throw their money around. But God. Keith has been sitting down listening to you, Jackson. So. Uh, yeah, oh, okay. Well, listen, it's for public consummation. I mean, Keith can go to the video and get this show, play it back at any time. Keith is so negative when it comes to the Yankees. I got to call it as is, finally. But I do give Keith tremendous kudos for this. He, he nailed it perfectly with the judge contract. He was consistent, unlike you, Mac. He realized what the Yankees needed to do, and Keith was is vindicated on that one, hundred percent. Well, listen, I listen. I will tell you this: I don't care if Aaron Hicks hits forty home runs the rest of the year. I don't care. He didn't do it here, and he had to go. As simple as that. They weren't playing him all the time. You have to play him all the time. You'll be fine. <laughs> he was You'll terrible. Be fine. You also, Keith, drove Brian Hoyer out of New England. Now he's with the Raiders. And, Keith, if if Jimmy Garoppolo is injured and can't play and it's a question mark for the Raiders, Brian Hoyer is projected to be their starting quarterback. What are you going to say if he leads the Raiders to the playoffs? That's the Raiders' problem, not mine. I'm not going to worry about that. Let me – listen – Aaron Hicks has played 17 games. I know a lot of guys who've played a really good 17 games. Let's wait. Let's wait and see what happens because Aaron Hicks. a good team, Keith. The Orioles, are, they look like they're making the playoffs. They are a good team this year. They're not going to go away. And when they healthy, prominently in their plan. And when they get healthy, he won't even be in the lineup. So, you know. No, Matt, Mac told me before the show he pointed out I didn't I missed the box score last night. Gary Sanchez belted a three run homer for San Diego last night. You want him back too? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jack wants them all back. 
you know what? Again, it, this is a hard place to play baseball. I didn't. Aaron Hicks. I hope he does really well. I don't have anything against Aaron Hicks, but he can't help the Yankees win. Couldn't help the Yankees win. That's why he's not here. And it doesn't matter what he does anywhere else. It doesn't. Well, well let's let's talk about a few other players that aren't helping the Yankees win right now. Uh, well, there's a lot of those. Yes, but it's a long list. So. So uh, they helped Seattle win last night somewhat. I mean, there was an or, uh, error where Volpe bobbled the ball. He turns to throw to third, and Donaldson is not at third. I don't know what he was doing. Uh, but uh, kind of Bush League, I, I, you know, maybe they're thinking about something else. I don't know what they're doing out there. But they end up losing 10-3. to 3. Again, yesterday we just – an epitome of how they've been playing. I mean, Herman, who, again, another guy they need to step up when they got injuries in the pitching, has come up. He's given up like 15 runs in five innings the last two starts, I think, something like that. Yeah. I mean, it's just, <laughs> that's unacceptable on any level. Uh, Donaldson's stinking it up. Boone's got him hitting third the other night. I don't, you know, he's in, I got, he's in about 120, he's hitting third. And he's getting booed out of the stadium. I, yeah. Something's going something's to happen here uh, soon. He's not, he's going to get jettisoned too. And and Jack's going to be telling me how great he's playing somewhere. No, else. no, no. Donaldson's contract is up after this year. I don't think Donaldson's lasting <clears throat> the rest of the season. Uh, Stanton and uh, Stanton has a few years left. So he's not going anywhere. DJ LeMayo has three years left on his contract after this year. He's not going anywhere. Certain guys aren't going anywhere. They're, they're going to be here next year for sure. I don't think he's lasting a year because in any event, he's he's not going to be on the Yankees next year one way or the other. No, I agree. And I listen, this DJ, I'm more confident DJ working it out eventually than some of these other guys. I mean, and Volpe, you know, to his – again, I don't want to make excuses for the guy, but now he's been thrust because all these other guys are playing badly. With Judge out, the rest of these guys not picking it up. More weight comes on his shoulders than it should. He, You know, unfortunately, they could – he could hit 200 this year. And it w- it, if the, all things were equal and everything was going the way it was supposed to, and it wouldn't affect this lineup that much. They could probably get away with him hitting in the low 200s and growing. Uh, I'm going to say this. I don't know whether you agree with this statement or not. Guys, not since the days of Mickey Mantle have the Yankees had a player who's been so dominant as a position player the way Judge is. What, What he means to that lineup, what Mantle meant to the Yankee lineup back in the day, Judge means the same thing now. I mean, Judge is the Yankee lineup for the most part. Well, I mean, I would say there's other guys like Mattingly and Jeter, but again, when you look at what the lineup has besides them, I would agree that that might be. Uh, but the team didn't collapse if they lost Mattingly or Jeter the way the Yankee lineup would have collapsed during the days of not having Mantle and not having Judge. Now, even Johnny Padres, game five of the World Series in 55, game seven, I mean, when the Dodgers finally beat the Yankees. Padres said when he saw Mickey Mantle wasn't in the lineup, he said, I can stop that lineup now without Mickey Mantle. That's what I mean. I think yeah. opposing teams look and they see no Aaron Judge in that lineup. I can handle that lineup. But when they see Judge's name in there, 
they know they have a mountain to climb. That's fair enough. It's And again, it gives them an extra level of confidence for they ever even start the game, which, you know, is certainly not unimportant. But again, there's a lot of guys making a lot of money that needed to step up. And I can't, uh, who stepped up? I can't think of anybody who's really stepped up in his absence. So I don't know. Hopefully he's turned a, I read an article last night that he's turned a corner. Don't know what that means. And hopefully it's a turn in a corner into the lineup who here. Turned, who turned the corner? Uh, he's turned a corner in his rehab. His, his oh, re- judge, yeah. So the, the next steps are going to be a rehab assignment soon. And I hope this happens really soon because they need a burst of energy before it's too late. Well, Rand, Randall, Randone is on assignment. He's, he's pitching in the minor leagues. Uh, they do have a New York uh, a young prospect, Drew Thorpe, throwing shutout innings in the minors right now. So the the pitching the pitching looks like it could come along, and y- your Yankees are still in third place. Keith. No, everything, I, I, everything I, I, is over. We need and again. You can't continue the way it's gone here the last uh, month or three weeks, whatever we judge out. Can't continue, you know, because again, you got six or seven teams that you're going to be battling for three, yeah, three wild cards most likely, and you you can't afford these stretches for too long. I'd love the Thorpe kid. Uh, is it Thorpe? Is his name? Yeah. yeah, but he's pitching in high uh, high A. I don't think you're gonna, you're not going to see him this year. Not I don't for think. a while. No, no, yeah, you won't see him this year. But again, it it bodes well for the future. Rendon, again, he's pitching in Double A and to get trying to get his arm strength back. I'm not a fan, but right now they need an arm, so he needs to get back here, and hopefully it will uh, bring some decent results. A little Patriots news: Jack Jones uh, released an airport weapons uh, case. Was mm-hmm. arrested Friday at Logan Airport. Attempted to board the plane with guns. Now, who in their right mind today would try to board a plane with with firearms? Uh, crazy people, and also a guy who tweeted out uh, hypocritical, uh, hypocritically had some uh, uh, tweets knocking uh ja Morant uh for his issues right yeah. and he's now he tries to carry two guns on a plane i mean you just can't make out how stupid these guys are it's <laughs> there's no other word i can use it's stupid yeah i i, I agree i i just don't understand i i don't understand people like this who they know how heightened security is today at airports and uh, and you're going to carry it right on board with you. You're not going to try to sneak them in your luggage. You're just going to walk right on the plane with you. What do you, what do you think's going to happen? I mean, I get stuck. Geez, I've been stuck because I got a, a, a disposable razor that I didn't have a cover on. You know, I'm not trying to get planes or guns on a plane. Yeah. Yes. So the the wondrous and the great Bill Belichick actually shared some philosophy about drafting players, Keith. And here was his here was his thing. He says, draft good players. That was his philosophy. Um, his, board wow. is, his board is only 75 players, yeah. where most teams are 300. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I I mean, I'm I'm not making fun of him. I, that makes sports. That makes sense. You draft good players. But he doesn't draft off need. He says he just drafts who he thinks would, is good at what they do. And you know, right. they, that's why he brings them on the team. Yeah, and that's not again. This has been his philosophy, and it's been fairly obvious. I mean, again, it's not as simple as we, dra- we draft good players. Is sounds pretty simplistic, but it's what he's saying is it's always going to be the best player available, and he likes athletes too, right? So, 
athletic players, and he hasn't done a great job of this, by the way, in the last five years. Uh, but before this, this philosophy worked pretty well. And hopefully this year we'll uh, start to go back to the old days. So I'm yeah. not surprised. I wasn't surprised by anything in this article. Yeah, he, I mean, he made a, he made a, a, a pretty cool comparison, uh, comparison uh, you know, with having LT on one side and Carl Banks on the other. That was a yeah. that was a pretty good point where you said, of course, you know, Banks is and there's LT, but they kind of they kind of fit off each other. LT was a great linebacker, and Banks was really solid. That's a Pro Bowl year. Yeah, I th- look at those were he wasn't involved in. Dra- I mean, he was involved with the drafts with the Giants, obviously, but he wasn't making the calls on the, the final call on these guys like he does now. But um, all great stuff. He talked this week. I don't know. Maybe you're going to get there, but he also talked about how he coached the greatest of all time in all phases of the game, offense, defense, and special teams. Yeah. And he did because we know Tom Brady. LT is definitely the greatest defensive player in my mind of all time. And I think Matthew Slater is the best special teams player of all time. So I don't disagree with him in the statements there at all. Yeah, yeah you know, uh, Christian Gonzalez, the number one draft pick who they got, who kind of fell down to them a little bit. I've heard mixed reviews in training camp. On one end, he seems to be sensational, you hear. And on the other end, you hear he's working with the second teams and still needs a little work. What's the deal with Christian Gonzalez? Is he going to be one of the better cornerbacks in the league? Was he a steal for the Patriots? What's the feeling right now? I do think he was a steal. Whether he'll, you know, whether he is that impactful early this season is is up in up in the air. Belichick talked about that this year too, though. You know, what's his what's the plan for him? He said it's a plan for pretty much every rookie. It's to get him indoctrinated into the you know the way they approach the game, the the Patriot way, if you will, and and uh, the the playbook and the, how he adapts to that will dictate how much he played and how soon that is and. You know, whether if he doesn't play a lot early, he get excited. He's uh, but obviously the Jack Jones issue uh, could accelerate his uh, need to play more early because uh, we don't know what's going to happen with the suspension with him. Uh, but I, I have every confidence that this kid will be everything the Patriots think he would be. And I do think it's a steal. He's got a lot of people have said he's top 10 talent and they got him, you know, much further down than that. Um, DeAndre Hopkins mulling over the Patriots contract offer. It's between them and Tennessee, Keith. I would imagine you would want to go with the tradition of the Patriots, uh, you know, to, to work with Bill Belichick. I, I don't know. I mean, uh, Titans, uh, he's going to be number one wide receiver either team. So that's not going to really yeah. uh, pose uh, any kind of uh, thing. I guess the money would matter somewhat too. Um, and I think uh, they both are under the cap. So, I would think he just would want to play under Bill Belichick, just to you know, just to say he did. Uh, well, they have a you know some bit of a, ro- a, a bromance going on a bit anyway, so they yeah. seem it seem to like each other and uh, they spoke very highly of each other, so that's good. I don't think the Bill O'Brien thing really comes into play. I've heard people say he should choose Tennessee because he's going to play with a better quarterback, and that's a bit of a reach for me. Don't tell me Ryan Tannehill's that much better than Mac Jones. I mean, more experience, more experience, more experience at losing playoff games for sure. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, Ryan Tannehill is on the way out logically. Yeah. You know, they they drafted quarterbacks highly the last two years. Malik Willis in the third round a year ago. 
uh, Levis in the second round this year. So that indicates they're not thrilled with Ryan Tannenhill as their quarterback going forward. And with Mac Jones, he might be the Patriot quarterback of the future, uh, even though he had a bit of a rocky relationship with Bill Belichick, at least in the offseason. Uh, but with Mac Jones, you could see him being quarterback of the Patriots three years from now, for example. I don't see that being the case with Ryan Tannenhill with Tennessee. No. And again, I think it's the immediate future that matters for uh, Hopkins because he's not going to be here forever. But um, he's also important for the Patriots to get in here because they need to evaluate Mac Jones and to give him the best tools around him to do that evaluation this year. I think is imperative as well to give him a you know a fair shake here and to know what you've got. Let me ask you this: Keith. Could the answer be that DeAndre? Could, could the answer be neither Tennessee or New England? Could it be that DeAndre Hopkins is waiting till basically next month to see whether someone gets injured and another team then needs him bad enough that they're going to give him the contract that he wants, that they would have the cap space to make it work? He could be waiting. There's only a few teams that have the cap space, so that's the problem. The teams that he would prefer to go to probably, the Bills and the Chiefs, don't have any cap space. I mean, they're only – I think the Chiefs are under two million, and the and the Bills are just over three. So they're not. I don't see where they can even maneuver to give him anywhere close to what he wants. Well, let's say hypothetically one of the players is willing to rework his contract to create the cap space. Could that be done this year still? Uh, I think right now it could, but I think there is a deadline when you can do it. Um, so I don't know how much more maneuvering teams can do yeah. or how much longer. And again, I mean, it's one thing to come up with a couple million. It's another thing to come up with 10. Yeah. You know, so. I agree. I agree. Some New York Knicks news and rumors and all that good stuff. <clears throat> uh, I was reading there should be three role players the Knicks might target or should target. Uh, they're talking about uh, Torian Prince, small forward, point forward, Great three-point shooter and a solid defender. Uh, point guard, shooting guard, Alex Caruso. Uh, he made the all-NBA first team this season. Uh, can play both uh, shooting guard and point guard. Uh, All-defensive talent off the bench. Hustle. And then there's small forward, Buddy Shield, one of the best three-point shooters in the NBA. Yeah. Of course, these are role players that they would go after, one or, or, or all three of them, to replace some of the role players they would be losing. Yeah, I, 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 those three guys, I, 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 like Buddy Heald. Uh, I like Buddy Heald. That's the best option there uh, from the role player standpoint, right? Because he, he might be able to fulfill the the role that, uh, that Fournier was never able to do, especially off the bench, and come in and provide some, some three points and some energy off the bench. Um I like Prince a little bit too. Uh, I, I can't. I can't remember the second guy's name now. What was it? Uh, it was Alice Caruso. Yeah, how's he a first team All NBA player? What are we talking it, about him? It, it's got to be uh, like a defensive player or something, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 He wasn't uh, All NBA, that's for sure. But All again, they've got, a, they've got a glut of guards. So unless they're going to trade other. You know, guards. I don't know that I'm going to bring in uh, a Caruso. So I think some guys and who you target depends on a couple of things. What happens with Josh Hart? And then if you do move one of your other uh, guards in, a, in another deal somewhere, too. 
And you know, I mean, with the Knicks, there's not much they can do. They have a, a pretty good team. The case of Obi Toppin has to get resolved this year. I mean, I like Tom Thibodeau as a coach a lot, but I'm going to sit him down and I'm basically going to say to him what uh, George Steinbrenner said to Billy Martin when he wouldn't bat Reggie Jackson clean up. He finally said either bat Jackson clean up, Billy, or you're fired. And I'm going to tell Thibodeau, either you play Obi Toppin a lot or you're not going to be the coach anymore. Well, enough is enough with Obi Toppin. Where are you going to play him? I, I don't want to hear that he can't play with Julius Randle. I don't want to hear that. Guys can play together. You had Twin Towers back in the day. Okay. You had Ralph Sampson and, you know, Elijah Watton at, uh, at, you know, back in the day. So I don't want to hear about it. I look, I, at mean, this, I look at this totally differently myself. Tob, uh, Tobin's he got to play uh, more than he played the year before. He played some effective games. Hardly, hardly. He doesn't played. play good enough defense to play more minutes than he's playing right now. He doesn't play good enough defense. And until he does, and management can tell uh, Thibodeau that. And you know what i do if I was Thibodeau? I'd walk out the door and take my money with me because that's not how you should be running this team. You want to bring the players in – and tell the coach, here's your roster, and let him do what he wants with it, that's fine. But if you're going to let upper management and Leon Rose and whoever the GM is 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 going to be now. Yeah, threaten Thibodeau. That's ridiculous. Obi Toppin is a great talent who's been wasted here with the Nets. And enough is enough. Obi Thompson, Obi, Obi Toppin, I mean, has shown tremendous restraint. Tell me in the media. It's easy to say that, Jack, but tell me whose minutes you're taking away to give them the well, topic. The only the only thing they can do, Mitchell wants wants a big contract and they may let Mitchell go. He Top can't play center. He can't play center. <laughs> Again, I know positions are a little bit irrelevant in the NBA today anyway, right? right. We, Guys don't really play positions, so maybe you could make a run at, at a front line with Toppin, you know, playing the, the five. I don't know, but um, <laughs> yeah, but they, they never, I, you know, something the Twin Towers, whether it's what Jack said or the Knicks had, uh, who was they had Ewing and they had uh, Cartwright as sort of like yeah. Twin Towers, too. That it never works out. Well, they, they, work. they don't win finals. With no, them. I'm not saying, no, no, I'm not saying a Twin Tower type thing, but guys who are similar players, you know, and I, I just think it's irrelevant to think, well. You can't play Randall and Toppin together. Sure, you can. I didn't say you couldn't get any five to blend together. I again, I didn't say you couldn't, but you got to tell me whose minutes you're going to take away to play Toppin. And he's who? You're going to take away Barrett's minutes, or you're going to take away uh, a few minutes off everyone if need be. A few minutes off everyone. You take the uh, the five starters you have now. Take. Three minutes away from each guy, that's an additional 15 minutes to add on to Toppin's 10, 12 minutes a game. And now he's playing more than he's not playing. Yeah. I, I ain't taking three minutes away from Brunson. I'm not taking three no. minutes away from I'm not, I'm not doing that. I, I can't. I mean. Barrett has been in Yeah, but Mitchell Robinson, but not anybody else. Yeah. So here's a trade idea they came up with. For Lamelo, Lamelo Ball, all right, Keith. I mean, the, the often injured uh, player. Uh, he moves to New York in exchange for Toppin, quickly, 
a 20 and 24 first round pick, giving the Knicks the 20 and 26 first round pick and a 20 and 28 first round pick. Right. The Knicks get two number ones picks and, in that and, deal you're talking about. They're the number one picks in the next five years anyway. How many more and, picks do we need? <laughs> well, we need a multiple first round pick. And so does. Uh, so does no. the team? Look, no, I don't think so either. I can't well, it's- loud enough. I mean, I haven't seen a trade. I haven't seen a. This one is crazy. First of all, I don't want any of the balls coming here because his father comes with him. Uh, we don't need that uh, distraction of the court. And no, I, that trade is makes zero sense to me. I can't see how that makes any sense at all. We already got a five guy who plays this position, so I, I don't. A booze better, much better. Uh, and and he actually plays, you know, he doesn't miss half the games. So right. no, I agree. I agree with that. Uh, what did you think about the uh, the draft last night? When Benyana, you before you get away from the trades, real quick, the, the rumored trade of, of Paul George for for Barrett is absolute lunacy. Well, that okay. was a big front page on the post yesterday. Yeah. He's thirty three years old, and Barrett's twenty two. He's they're the same player. Why would you make that trade? Well, with a younger version of Paul George, I would make the trade. The younger version. You're right. At age 33, unless the Knicks in such a win-now mode, because then you'll have Paul George, you put him with Brunson, Randall, you know, Robinson. Uh, Uh, It it, it maybe doesn't increase their chance next year of winning, perhaps. But I agree, the 11-year difference, I would stick with Barrett. The New York papers were all over this yesterday, and I was like, Are you, what? It, it's not a slow news day. This, there's got to be something else we can talk about than this. So right. anyway, draft, the draft last night, other than the number one pick, I mean, was kind of anticlimactic because I, I just saw a bunch of guys that looked like each other. Keith, would you have taken uh, Brandon Miller had a Scoot Henderson the way Charlotte yeah. did? Yeah, I like Brandon Miller a lot. I think he'll be. I think he's a more of a sure thing that Henderson's a good player, going to be a great player. Um, but I would have. I would have taken Miller before him. I thought it was very. One of the interesting thing was two interesting things. So few seniors drafted last night. I don't even know if there might have been two. I don't even know that most of them were underclassmen or three of the first four picks didn't even play college basketball. They either played Europe or the G League or, you know, other places. Yeah. The old How do you think Wembanyama? Yeah. Wembanyama, what do you project him to be? I was talking with Mac both before the show and after the show. If you can get the next David Robinson, exact the exact player David Robinson was, would you settle on that if for Wembanyama right now? Uh, Mac and myself said no. No, you know, we yeah, we wouldn't say Robinson's a Hall of Famer. The hype, yeah, I mean, they're different players. Uh, hype, the hype is too high. Look at he could be a he could be the next Kobe or the next LeBron. Who knows? He could also be the next Darko Milosic. Uh, um, wow, that that that, and I don't think so. How do you not? We don't know is the point. We've not seen him play against oh. NBA competition at all. Uh, he's a bit on the thin side. He needs to beef up his. His body, his body frame, I think. He's 19, though, right? He's a kid, yeah. No, I mean, yeah. Look, so, I, I, I mean, I think that you're probably looking more like Shaq than you are like 
Yeah, you know, like you said, he's he's a young kid. He's going to be he's going to be learning. His learning curve is going to be pretty strong because he's going to be in the NBA now. He's already he's already been a men against boys. He could be. Let me tell you, he's so highly regarded, Pax. If the Sixers called up San Antonio yesterday afternoon before the draft and said, "We'll give you Joel Embiid for the number one pick. Embiid will sign it'll sign a deal for the next." how many years you want to play for you. San Antonio wouldn't have made that deal. And we're talking about Joe Lambeat, how great he is. Well, yeah, because you want to be able to start your own. You know what I mean? That's that's the reason why they wouldn't do that. It's, that's the only reason why they wouldn't have done that. Like, they just, it's like, okay, this kid's 19 years old. The upside is tremendous. Why would you... Why would you risk that? If you believe that 100%, why would you risk that mm -hmm. for anything? Mm -hmm. You know, you're getting already, you know, somebody who's in his prime where he may have a good four, five, six, seven years even. But you have somebody who's 19. If you're looking at it for the very, very long term, you could say he's going to play till he's about 35 years old. Now, again, no one knows what tomorrow brings, but you're looking at 16 years rather than six. Could be well, great. Good morning to Philly Sports Fanatics since we didn't introduce him. Uh, I don't know if we introduced Keith or not, but Keith just gets in the middle when Jack's talking. About yeah, well, Jack, Jack was, I could have been Aaron Hick for all when I came in here. So, so <laughs> anyway, so, so, Pax, the only worry I got, guys, about the, the, uh, the young kid, uh, as, as, uh, uh, Jim Jeffco called him, way banana, uh, when banana. <laughs> The only thing I the only thing I got uh, is is his build, and he's playing against men, and uh, you know uh, people with thin thin body frames, and I don't care. He's not going to bulk up and be big. He's just going to be solid. Uh, they get injured a lot, so I mean that's one of the biggest concerns I got about this kid. We'll see. Look at it. There's there's a whole lot more Millisix than there are. Uh, Kobe's and and uh, LeBron's, so that's all I'm saying. He could be one of the great of all time, or he won't. You know, we don't know. It's a, nobody's got a crystal bar. All these—that's the thing with this draft. In my mind, this kid is a sure thing in people's minds, so I'll give him that. Other than that, there's a lot of crapshoots in this draft. A lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. I agree. Uh, Pags, the Phillies linked to uh, first baseman Jamar Candel Candelario. A solid person bat 260 and his power uh his power is going up. Uh looking for a good first baseman, maybe you got it. Uh well the first base is definitely one of the needs. Uh it's yeah, we're waiting for Hall to come back. He's least in the minors and he's he's doing what he did before. Uh, obviously, uh Cody Clemens is an okay player, but isn't necessarily um you know, like the answer there, uh, Reese Hoskins being out for the season is, you know, now what's going to happen when they try to re-sign him? Is it, you know, he's been a streaky guy. So, but I still think that their problem is pitching. Pitching is what's going to win or lose games. And as we saw even yesterday, um, First off, I'm not a big fan of anybody named Marte. I, th I think that's just across the board now. Anybody named Marte, I'm 
I'm not a fan of. Sterling, our guy, the guy in Arizona, they're all Martes. They all suck, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> the name, okay. Uh, the Phillies were swept by the Braves, two-game series. Um, uh, the other one was, was canceled. Got something to say about that. I got something to say about that. You know, that home run by Ozuna at the end of the game, expect the next time the Phillies face him that he gets one go whiz by his head and then another one right in the ribs. That's what I would do. I would have a, I would have a starter pitcher who you're going to get kicked out and get to him in the, in the, in the order. And throw at his head, and then give him one in the chest. I missed. You don't go dance. He went dancing around. He went dancing around the the base pass last night. But what is yep. wrong with that? He hit a home run. He's celebrating, Pax. Yeah. Wasn't yeah, it yeah. right? Wait, 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 wait. You don't go dancing around. You don't go dancing around. Off the pitchers. It's yeah. That's wait, that's, wait, wait, listen, wait. He deserves what he gets. He deserves wait. what he gets. Don't tell me leader, that all of a sudden you're going to be high and mighty. I am going to tell you something. The leader of that Philly lineup is Bryce Harper. And Bryce Harper himself said about a year ago, players are being too sensitive. They should be allowed to celebrate when they do something big. Yeah, but you don't do it. First off, you don't take 40 seconds around the base paths. And you don't start dancing. Don't start. You don't start playing those games. So. He gets everything he deserves. I agree. I would that. expect, I would absolutely suspect that he is going to get thrown at. And like I said, I would make sure that the first pitcher is not your starting pitcher. You get a starter who's going to wind up getting kicked out of that game. And you throw at his head and you plunk him in the chest, in the ribs. So absolutely. And then have the benches clear. <laughs> absolutely. Right. Remember the movie Major League, the fictional player Jake Taylor pointed to the stands and the pitcher that Duke gave him some chin music? Right. Right. You guys support that? Sure. I think that, I think that baseball polices itself. Yep. You know, that there's that's always been that to. way. When it's allowed to, Pegs, the problem is the league doesn't want people, to, the league, to, uh, the players to police themselves anymore. That's part of the problem. So that's why that's why you just go ahead and you plunk this guy and yep. you get kicked out of the game and then you get the you get the warnings by the ump because already one's been kicked out. You bench clear a little bit. You you let them know, hey, listen, oh, you want to dance? Here, dance this, dance to this, dance with this bruised rib, because that's how it should be. Um, I I fully believe that. You don't uh, I understand when once you've run around the bases, you want to give your high fives. You want to put on the hats. You want to do those things. That's what you're supposed to do. Run around the bases like Aaron Judge runs so, around the bases. Like you expect to hit more home runs, and that's not that's not going to be your last one. Right. You didn't win the yeah, world. So I, what, I, what when happened? I saw that, when I saw that, I I was sitting in the Diamond Club at the time, and I know they could hear me. Says, okay, you remember sitting on the couch at the, in September last year? Do you remember that? Yeah, I, I, I'm like, guess what? We're going to be throwing at you. You think I'm going to forget? I ain't going to let these guys forget either. Trust me, you're yeah. going to get thrown at next time, and I'm going to make sure you hear me when I say. So it. what happens? So what happens if you hit the guy in the face with a fastball? That's okay with you? I'm not uh, saying well, hit guys in the face. He, well, yeah, I, I mean, listen, these guys, these guys are. How you these guys at the guy's head? You're throwing at the guy's head. How do you know you don't hit him in the face? I didn't say that's right. 
I didn't say throw in his head. I said you can give him some ch- guys who it happened for years. Drysdale, all these guys knock guys down for years. Gibson, they were scared of him. They didn't steal okay. their part of the plate. They would throw under the chin, not at their head, and then hit him in the ribs. It was like what what Pag said. Make him feel it. I'm not going to throw it. Again. I don't want to risk a guy's life or his career, but I wanted to know. Correct. He needs to know. He needs to know that we don't forget, and that's absolutely. That's absolutely. Well, isn't that wait, 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 wait? You could deliver a better message like Garrett Cole did the other night, where he threw the ball high, way over the head of the umpire, and it hit the screen. It was an obvious anger pitch, and he was sending a message. He's not throwing at the guy near the guy, but he threw the ball high and away. Say, that you know, doesn't give the right not, message. That I mean, that that means that no. that was that was him trying to tell the umpire that he's calling sh- balls and strikes a little wonky. This has got to be sending a message to the player himself. Yeah. That's the difference. And about you're not 40%. sending the message to the umpire. And you're there's about, wait, wait, wait. Is it possible there's a little bit of sour grapes by you, Pax? Because the brakes. You know what? I, I, I would say the same thing about anybody else who goes dancing around the base pit. I would too. Absolutely. So, like I said, if if Aaron Judge did it, if any Yankee did it, if anybody who against the Yankees did it, you know, like I said, it it, it doesn't matter to me. You know what I mean? Do you, do you feel? Do you feel the same? Check out the race someday. The, who's the do kid from the race who gives, does a little freaking dance at third base every time he hits a home run? Uh, do you feel the same way about a guy celebrating after, right after he hits a home run, uh, going down the first baseline? Is that okay? You know that you get your opportunity with the bat flip. You get know. that one moment, and then you get around, and then you get back to. To where you're at, you know what I mean. I mean, guys, and guys, even when they're not celebrating, they do. I was disappointed the other night watching the Yankee game. Anthony Rizzo, one of the more popular Yankees, if not the most popular Yankee, actually, not with the fans, but within the clubhouse, he hits this long fly ball. He thought it was going to be a home run. He's <clears throat> jogging out of the box. I hate it, it goes off the wall, it's rolling. He absolutely should have been on third base, yeah. but he's on second base because he didn't hustle. And neither Michael Kay or John Flaherty, the announcers, are calling him out on it. No, really no. There's no announcers anywhere that calls anybody out for any of that stuff. They pose for ESPN and the highlight reels, and there's guys turning doubles into singles and triples into doubles all day long, every single game. And it's an epidemic of the way that the games play today, which is why hey, I don't I, really agree with Peg's part about even celebrating out of the box. Because unless you know it's in the third deck, you better be running. Yeah, do you know? Uh, yeah. Speaking of the Phillies, my, uh, Mike Schmidt once got into a big argument with Tim McCarver because he felt McCarver said he wasn't hustling because McCarver mentioned there was one play where Schmidt didn't go all out on. He, he didn't use the word lack of hustle, but Schmidt got into it with McCarver the next day saying, don't you ever say I don't hustle because Mike Schmidt took a lot of pride in his game the way he did hustle. I think he did too. Right. I think yeah, and that's, but yeah, that's but today. The easiest thing to do in sports, in baseball, takes zero talent, is to hustle and run to first base. 
And nobody, uh, not nobody, but a great percentage of players don't do it. And listen, and, and and there was a number of things that happened in that tenth inning that got me a little frustrated, you know. Like, so Stott hits a single, and the guy from second scores. He gets that first run, but uh, actually, the guy's on third, and he, you know, he tags up, and the the ball from right field, you could tell from the moment he threw it, he was throwing it home, and here it is. Stott didn't get to second base. And I'm like, why isn't he on second base? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, they didn't want to take a chance. What do you mean they didn't want to take a chance? You could tell that ball was 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 airmailed, was airmailed to the to the plate. So he should absolutely be on second. Well, it didn't figure in. Well, it does figure in because now when the guy's in second, you actually start to think about that. They now they're like, okay, yeah, they play a little bit differently. They you know, they can say that they don't care about it. They can say whatever, but the truth of the matter is is that a lot more plays are available, you know, when you are batting when the guy's on second than when the guy's on first. And Pag, the fact that they missed that completely bothered me. Pag, you say you had a pitching problem. Do you got a manager problem there too? I think that some of the decisions that Rob is making is uh, questionable. They are questionable. And I feel that first off, like, you know, they brought Marte in. And, of course, he gives up the five runs. And it's unfortunate that that's how it ends. You have such a great game where it's 0-0, where they've had people that were hitting the ball and then they were able to get out of the innings and stuff like that to score, give up five runs in the top of the 10th. You know, giving up the one run, I understand. You know, and then Schwarber making the error, you know, like diving for a ball he didn't need to die for. And in the process of that, the ball rolled under him. So two runs scored on that. We probably could have tied it up with the one run because that would have been a two out error. And then, of course, you got the guy who, you know, then you get the home run where he's dancing around. You know what I mean? And I, truth of the matter is that I would, had I been the pitcher, I'd have thrown at the next guy just in, just for principle. But. All right. All right. Uh, Eagles news, Jalen Hurts is nominated for SB among the four finalists for the best NFL player in the league. You have uh, Nick Bosa, Justin Jefferson, and Mahomes in that group. So pretty elite players that he's named uh, for, for the SB award uh, bags. He deserves it. He played a great – he had a great year. I expect that he wins it, actually. Uh, I think that, you know, this is one of these situations, and not to take it away from Mahomes – you know, not in any way, shape, or form, but I believe that he actually wins it. Uh, just I think that Mahomes won the MVP. He won the Super Bowl MVP. I feel that, you know, this is Jalen Hurts getting his come up and so to speak, in this regard. I think that he outplayed them, obviously, in the Super Bowl. Uh, obviously, it didn't end the way we wanted it to, but I thought that he was the better quarterback out of the two of them and that he really, had he not gotten hurt, probably would have won the MVP as well. So I think this is where he actually gets that uh, accolade. All right. Mac is voting for Nick Bosa. Mac loves defense. I, hey, listen, Nick Bosa is a great defensive player, man. There's no doubt about that. I wouldn't, they wouldn't you know what, though? On the biggest stage, he came up small. That's true. Well, the 49ers came up slow. They have small. no quarterback for that game. I mean, hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. When does the quarterback play on defense? 
Well, well, no, 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 no. I'm saying the Eagles <laughs> run to the playoffs. I mean, the Eagles were very worthy to be in the Super Bowl. We're not talking about the Eagles. We're talking about the defense of the 49ers. How the defense of the 49ers got them those wins. They played well for a, while, for a long stretch of the game, but then it became apparent their quarterback situation was futile in that playoff game because Purdy couldn't throw the ball at all. All they could do was hand off. They knew they were well beaten. They, they had no chance of coming back, none at all. He's got a I mean, back. so you shut down. It's hard after a while when you know the so, game so you're is saying over. That they quit. So you're saying that they quit. Towards the end of the game, you could make that argument as cruel as it sounds. They did submit to the Eagles late in the game. There was no chance of them winning at all. It, it, it happens at the end of the game. I mean, it, it's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I mean, that's, it's, not great, that's not a great endorsement of them either that they quit, but it, it's, well, it is what happened. I think. Yeah, I love, I love, I love that I, I was able to squeeze that out of Jack. He's he's telling me how <laughs> how the no, Eagles were were foo foo throughout the you know, like the foo foo throughout the playoffs. No, they played no, a very no, weak I'm Giants saying, team, and then they played a, a quarterbackless. You know, they had you, two quarterbacks that both got knocked out of the game because they're offensive line couldn't protect the quarterback. The Eagles were given a bye into the Super Bowl, basically, but they earned that bye. They only <laughs> had to win two games because they had an outstanding regular season. They earned that bye to get in the playoffs. Kudos to the Eagles. But in the playoffs themselves, they had as an, easiest, an easier ride as any team has ever had. They beat a giant team that was just happy to be there. And you yourself, Pag, said you noticed the giant team on the field before the game, and you saw their body language. Like they knew they had no chance. They were just happy to be there and then to go home. And then they played a Niner team who didn't have a quarterback who could throw the ball at all. I mean, you're not going to get an easier ride. I don't know. Brock Purdy was uh, Mr. Irrelevant. Was Mr. You know, could do nothing wrong. He had the halo over his head. That he they was were injured. In he was upset the Eagles. Yeah. And then within the first drive, that but, first drive, he winds up getting hit. I don't know. I can't buy that argument only because they had something to do with the fact that the 49ers became a pushover because they knocked their quarterback out of the game. So you can't discount that and say, that yeah, exactly. And listen, and listen, do you think that it was Brock Purdy and the quarterback play that beat the Cowboys? Do you think that that was what happened? It was a defense. It was a defense pack. Absolutely. The defense won a lot of those games. A lot of those games. San Francisco was not this prolific offense. They had a staunch defense. And that was the defense that was in the games. And a great running game, Pax. They could control that ball and score with that offensive running game. Yeah, Yeah, well, and that, but they also knew that 20 points points was enough to win. The passing game. If that's all you can do is run, your running game isn't going to be effective. That's, they didn't have much of a passing game. Their passing game no. was, hey, let's throw it to you know Debo Samuel uh, uh, out in the flat and have him run. That's what that's what their passing game consisted of. They had an extensive running game, and you could well, say got, that their passing game was really an extension of the running game. The run game Very, set pass for them for sure. They, yeah, they do have one, they do, did have one they do have one of the best tight ends in the league too. Barry Kittle, I mean, right? I, was, I, I get that. Who was who was 
you know, inconsequential in that game, too. Yes, he was. Purdy, you forget. Purdy came back. They didn't even let, allow him to. He threw very few passes. They threw he less than double-digit passes the whole game. Yeah, they he stopped throwing throw. the ball at the end he of the game. Because he, was, he was injured, Jack, Purdy. He physically he couldn't, couldn't throw. throw. He could not. He could not throw, Jack. Lefty threw left-handed. That was the only way he could throw. He couldn't throw. He was hurt. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's why they changed the rules now. They changed the rules so they can give them a third quarterback just in case they they can't keep their first two quarterbacks healthy again. Hey, listen. You hey, who knows? The Eagles might need that rule. You never know, Pat. You never don't, know. Don't, don't, don't. Who's the guy that came right. in with Josh Johnson? I mean, the Niners played that game. That was ridiculous against the Eagles. I mean, they, they're playing. They were playing against a quarterback who, right. who was right. on the right. left. Who's going to be your quarterback when Rodgers gets hurt? We already, we already talked about the forty nine. That's why you need thought. a guy like Brian Hoyer on your team to come off the bench and cause damage. Brian Hoyer oh, my God. <laughs> 76ers, Pag. Is it the, the asking price for Tobias Harris too outrageous for another team to pick up? $39.2 million, Pag. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't even hear what they're asking. $39.2 million is a salary. I know, that's but I, I'm want. not even sure what they're asking for. I would imagine that's uh, what they want. they want. They want to pay for that. Last year, of, of uh, another team to pick up the LeBron that salary. Well, yeah, but that, yeah, the problem is, is that somebody's going to pick it up, but you got to get something back in return. Get so play. you know, and the problem is, is that you have him for one more year, and then you're done with that contract. Why would you trade right. that for somebody else who's going to have three or four years on the contract, who that player doesn't want? Like you're not going to be able to get, <clears throat> like, all right, if you're Portland. Do you trade Damian Damian Lillard for Tobias Harris? You want to be able to unload the contract. You want to, you know, pick up a contract that's only going to have one year. So the money makes sense, you know, to a certain extent. And you have Dame Lillard. You're getting rid of Dame Lillard, which has been the rumor throughout all of this. I still don't think he's going anywhere because the wife don't want to go nowhere. But, you know, it's like at what point at what point does it not make sense? To trade him, it's easier just to have the contract run out. His expiring contract's worth more than he can get in a trade, right? I mean, and that's exactly how I feel. I and not only that, not only that, you have his expiring contract. If Harden stays, you have his expiring contract. That's a lot of money. That is money. all of a sudden, all of a sudden. Now Maxi's going to have to get paid, so you're going to wind up losing some of that money there. But I mean, ultimately, is is I mean, I think the Sixers need to stand pat. You know, and just live, ride this year out. Who knows what this year is going to really consist of? How about the fact that I mean, how about the Celtics trading trading away that really their team captain? Wrong guy they traded. That's for sure. I I, I feel the exact same way. It's just for Porzingis. Should have been Jalen Brown if anyone. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. But too. Jack, yeah, the boxing news: Canelo Alvarez versus Jamal. Charlo set for September 18th, so they got the deal done. Yeah, uh, well, you know, Canelo surprised us because Eddie Hearn had been promoting him on a fight-by-fight basis recently. Eddie Hearn, a match room. And now he signed with the PBC, a three-fight deal. I'll admit that threw me for a loop. But I guess they have the opponents, you know, that Canelo is willing to fight. He has to fight someone. 
Jamal Charlo is a very serious threat to beat Canelo. The problem is Charlo hasn't fought for close to two years, it seems. And he's really been off for a while. But if Jamal Charlo shows up in form in the top of his game, he's an absolute threat to beat Canelo. I'm not talking about putting on a good showing, but actually winning that fight. So it's a credible fight, you know. Charlo against Canelo. But Canelo, I guess, looked at his options. He didn't want to fight a rematch with Babal, and he didn't want to fight David Benavides. So I guess he compromised, you know, in Charlo. And maybe he sees Charlo as easy pickings, but Charlo's not. Unless Charlo's had a lot of problems and personal issues in these last two years, and maybe he hasn't been training as hard as he should be, and that could work against Charlo. You know, we'll see. Yeah, he's got till September to get ready. Uh, Jesse Boom, Bam Rodriguez versus Sonny Edwards, 112-pound unification for the winter on DAZN, Jack. Yeah, great fight. Great fight. Jesse Bam Bam Rodriguez created a major buzz by, you know, beating like all the big-time fighters in the uh, flyweight division. And him and Sonny Edwards is, you know, a really intriguing fight, a great fight that could be made between two little guys. Uh, uh, Bam Bam Rodriguez was thought that he'd be one of boxing's big stars not that long ago. Then he had a couple of fights. He won, but he looked less than sensational the way he'd looked a bit earlier. So now there's some questions with Bam Bam Rodriguez. And he also had his jaw broken in his last fight, even though he won that fight decisively. And Sonny Edwards, he, he wasn't in the best of form in his last fight either, but it's still a great fight in the flyweight division. I'm looking forward to it. Any, any other news the, that you got, Jack? What about the PAGS uh, Frank fight? Is that off? What's going on? I don't know, PAGS. How's negotiations going with you and Frank Letterzo? I haven't. You know, all Frank does is say, you know, say that, uh, hey, Timber, you know, <laughs> that I'm not a Philly sports fly. That's I'm what he says. Serious. That's all he says. I I I I I can't get his people on the phone. Uh, I think he's ducking me. I've been saving my pay per view. Yeah, I thought you guys I mean, were getting together there, the last time we talked. I thought you guys were getting together. Hey, listen. I he was said he was down the shore. I was down in Atlantic City. Yeah. Uh, I was at the celebrity boxing championships, and uh, you know, actually, I did. I did get a. Uh, you know, a, uh, the, uh, you know, what's it? The crazy red guy from the Jersey Devils have reached out. He wants to, you know, set up a, uh, you know, some type of uh, fight. You know. Yeah, like he's, he's like, he, he looks, you know, he paints himself red and goes to New Jersey Devils games. And so. Uh-huh. You never know. You never know what's going to come yeah. down the You know, speaking of red, I think the Devils should only wear their red jerseys because I, I think the Devils have the nicest-looking jerseys in the NHL. Just my opinion. Hey, real quick, real quick. I was thinking about this yesterday. Here's a very random off-topic question. Is there any baseball team that wears green, that green is their color? Oakland. Huh. Oakland, yeah. Oakland, Oakland, and Seattle, right? Like Seattle's like got that blue foam green, like but teal kind of. Yeah. But you don't ever see them wear green uniform; they just have the green A. Right. Yeah. Well, okay. who, they don't wear they they never wear the green tops anymore. 
They used to have the I've green done, jersey. I, yeah. I, again, I see this is one of these questions that I, I I was thinking about it yesterday for some reason. I don't know why it popped into my head, but I'm like, hmm. you know, I don't think of anybody that wears green jerseys other than for like St. Patrick's Day during yeah. spring training and stuff. Point. But interesting how uh, that, yeah. you know, just wanted to throw it out there. One thing we, we one thing before we go. Uh, our condolences to all the family members from that sub that imploded, uh, yeah. uh, you know, going down there to to the Titanic, and shame on all those people in Facebook that are making fun and 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 putting down uh, the the people there, saying they were rich and screw them and all that good stuff. You, you know, throw up, please. So uh, tomorrow, me, Jack, Pax, are you be with us tomorrow on the debate show? Yeah, I can come in tomorrow morning. All right, Pags and Doc, tomorrow on the debate show. Check out Keith on TGI Sports. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks uh, for being and have a great Friday night. Be careful out there.